Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Winner of Game 5 in both the League Championship Series and the World Series, John Lester. First and foremost, you know, I want to win regardless of where, where I'm at. Um, that's something that, that we talked about extensively when, when we met. And, you know, I believe in the plan and, and that they have in place right now for, for the future of the Cubs. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed the first time you walk into Wrigley Field Our heroes wear pinstripes, heroes in blue Give us the chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win and if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way What is going on? John Lester begging the Cubs to Sign him for one more year and the Cubs saying, no, buddy. We know how much you meant to this organization. We signed you in December of 2014 for $155 million. You over-delivered. But, yeah, we're moving on. $4 million, $5 million, whatever it would have been for one year to keep Lester around. The Cubs said no. Ouch. Going to miss you, John Lester. A little tribute today, Mark Grody, WSCR 670 to the score, who's doing Cubs pre and post during the glory days of 2016. Knows John Lester, at least experienced John Lester on the plane. We'll get some behind the scenes from Mr. Grody coming on up here. Mark's awesome, so looking forward to having him on in just a matter of moments. But let me just tell you a couple things about John Lester that I really, really appreciated. Number one, Outside of the fact that he was insanely clutch and you just knew that Lester was going to give you everything he had, he wasn't going to beat himself, he was going to come out of the bullpen in Game 7 of the World Series, he was going to pitch huge in Game 5. We'll talk about all this with Grody. But he came over from the Red Sox and a cup of coffee with Oakland, if you may recall that Boston traded him that year before uh, he signed with the Cubs. And you don't hit in the American League. John Lester came here, and he didn't know what he was doing at the plate. But all of a sudden, or not even all of a sudden, 
You could just tell he was working at it. And eventually the contact started to get better and better and better. And it was inevitable that something like this was going to happen. Another 3-2. And a drive out of the left center. And that baby will go. Three-run homer. John Lester. And not just, you know, up there trying to hit bombs. Sometimes you got to do the other stuff. Get the bunt down in the biggest moments. He gets the bunt down. Runner coming home. Cubs win. With two strikes on him, Lester gets a bunt down to score the winning run here in the 12th. So not only was he nails on the mound, especially in October and even November, but this was a guy that took pride in literally everything he did. A lot of us looking in the mirror right now, we're great. We put a maximum effort over here, but over there, that report that you got to turn in or whatever it is, you don't quite give it your 1000%. And Lester, like a lot of guys who get to that level in life, he was a 100%er in everything meticulously dressed after games. There was a certain presence to John Lester that I've been around a lot of athletes, and and Lester was one of those guys that really just seemed like he had his entire life in order. And, uh, yeah, and once again, did it on the field. What does it mean that Lester's moving on? And uh, let's have a little fun conversation. Mark Rohde, WSCR 670, The Score. It's the Windy City Podcast. Let's get it going right now. Showtime. It's all on him now for the Chicago Cubs and these fans. Got it. Two up. Statement made. Strikes out. Round ball to short. Russell. What a job by Lester. That's on the corner. Struck it out. There he goes. Throw by Ross. Is in time. And over. John Lester a hug. 90 pitches tonight. Bring in my buddy, my hero, the greatest damn, what did they call you the other day on the morning show, the last update update guy left, Mark Rohde? Pretty much, yeah. The and I am the self-proclaimed greatest update anchor of all time, although, you know, I think my competition is, and I generally have given the nod to George Offman uh, just because, you know, he, he's George, and he kind of made – for a while, updates were cool, and George Offman made it that way. George Offman better be listening to this. George Offman is the coolest. We all love George Offman. Didn't George Offman have us over for dinner and make us chicken legs once? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> we, yeah, and it was great. It was great. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's just it's, no, it's, I, it's a funny, I, well, it, it, a funny it, memory that you have. Yeah, and we, yeah, we had chicken legs. I remember getting – that was back when – I drank, and I remember getting pretty slammed at George's house and uh, eating. Chicken. And I said, "You and I might have even gone out that night, if I recall correctly." All I remember is that it was me, you, Jordan Burnfield, and Georgie cooking us dinner out of the kindness of, out of his heart. Like it was literally out of nowhere. Hey, do you guys want to come over and have chicken legs? I'm like, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> Uncle Georgie is making everybody chicken legs. Let's go. What a group that was. What a what a <laughs> It was an incredible yeah. group and he's like, you know, and he he had, I didn't know actually he didn't say chicken legs for the dinner. He's like, You wanna come over for dinner? I'm like, Do I wanna come over for dinner? Um We've never even hung out, George. Actually, I think it, but that was pre me, me and George playing tennis together. We became, you know, now we're tennis buddies. Although George is on the DL for a while now, we played towards the end of the summer. But that was a big deal. You got to hang out with Grody. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like weird when you go when you make that change from going to people that you and I listened to when we were younger. I don't think we were exactly kids when George was starting at the score probably in our 20s but it is weird because like georgie's like a guy you look up to and then all of a sudden we're kind of on the same level and we're over at his house eating drumsticks my (laughs) there's so much with george and this is by by the way we're here to talk about john lester and not george offman but this could just be this (laughs) this could just be the offman pod stories on george but i remember in my embryonic radio stays, which I wish I could go back to and redo this career, but uh, story for another time. I <laughs> I remember, I think I was interning, maybe I was producing at the score, and George comes storming in, and he's ripping off his coat, and he sits down, and I'm like, what's going on, George? Cubs are signing Benito Santiago. He, he, had, the, <laughs> he had the Santiago scoop. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. The Cubs are signing Benito Santiago. Let's go. All right, man. That dude's got a cannon. Oh, yeah. I mean, you kind of got him in the second part of it. I mean, when Benito Santiago first started playing with San Diego, he was like kind of this new cool thing back there. But, yeah, when the Cubs, and he wasn't horrible with the Cubs, but, you know. To say that that was the greatest breaking news that the Cubs had had at the time. That's that's um, you know, hey, overdoing it a little bit, but that's okay. Well, it's it's actually a good jumping off point because back then signing Benito Santiago, whatever the hell year that was, nineteen ninety nine, somewhere in there, it actually was a big deal that they were getting somebody that had some level of credibility, and then fast forward to December tenth, twenty fourteen. 2014, and they signed John Lester, six years, 155 million. Were you on the Cubs broadcast at that point, Mark? Yeah, I was. I was because um, that his first year was 2015, and 2015 was my first year doing pre and post with the Cubs. Yeah. So that was the official stamping that oh my god, World Series champion. Boston Red Sox sees what's going on with Theo in Chicago, actually believes in it, and yes, I'll sign with the Cubs for six years and try to get another World Series. I mean, it was a huge deal. It was massive, man. I mean, because especially since they, I remember them striking out on Annabelle Sanchez and being disappointed with that. that. I don't even remember who he chose, but he chose somebody else over the Cubs. And the narrative then was, well, why would he want to go to the Cubs? The Cubs are coming off a hundred losses or whatever it was in 2014. And, you know, so it was like teams are, or these players are still, still not wanting to go with the Cubs. And then, you know, Theo Epstein won up himself by getting, eventually getting John Lester. And it meant everything. It meant everything symbolically in terms of the productivity that he supplied 
on the field. I mean, we never see uh, – it's so rare in sports, and I'm not just talking about in Chicago, anywhere when a guy, relatively speaking, lives up to his contract, and that's what John Lester did. Great Anibal Sanchez memory, and I'm pulling it up here. He left the Marlins, and he went to Detroit uh, in – Detroit, that was it, yep. 2013, he was 14-8. and eight. He led the American League in ERA at 2.57. That was a big deal. And then you go from there, and they were damn lucky to not get Annabelle Sanchez, by the way. <laughs> so, so yeah, well, do you remember who they got? Do you remember who the guy they got instead? And I think it was in his stead. Maybe I'm wrong, but it was uh, Edward Jackson oh. that they ended up signing. Which and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like that I, – I, I didn't mind that signing because it seemed like Edwin Jackson was a guy who had done some good stuff and he was kind of had upside left, but it never was. A, it, it, it didn't work out. Let's put it that way. They killed the Edwin Jackson sign. I'm like, what do you mean? They're trying to lose, and this guy, all he does is lose. This is phenomenal. <laughs> Edwin was <laughs> like, he would go out there, he'd throw five, six innings, keep you in the ball game, not kill your bullpen, and lose, which was what, you know, and then you got Chris Bryant. It, it all worked out. But. It, John Lester, I went through this the other night, Marco, on uh, 365 Days of Karma. I know you're a huge fan. Um, yeah. So, like, you go back, you go to 2016, right? In 2015, he wasn't, uh, he started out a little slow. Maybe he put too much pressure on himself with the contract. But, of course, they end up in the playoffs, beat the Cardinals. Lester has a good year. But in 2016, he's nails. They they beat the the Giants. He wins a one nothing game with Javi Baez in the DS. He's the co-MVP of the CS against the Dodgers. And then game five, he's getting the ball. The Cubs have lost the last two at home, and they have to have the game. Here's Lester on the mound, and he goes six innings, and they get one out from Carl Edwards Jr. and eight from Araldis in what I would call Joe Madden's best move of that postseason where he just called on him when they absolutely had to have it, and, and Chapman came through. But, and Marco, I know you can relate to this. 1984, Cubs up two games to none in the Padres, lose three in a row. 1989, Giants, series tied at one, lose three in a row. 98, never in it, three straight losses. Let's move to 07, I'm sorry, 03, you're up three games to one, lost three in a row to the Marlins who win the whole damn thing. 07, you lose three to the Diamondbacks. 08, you lose three to the Dodgers. You were supposed to win the World Series in 08. And then even in 15, they lost four in a row to the Mets. The Cubs never would a- were able to turn it around ever when it turned against him in the playoffs. And John Lester went out there and the damn guy did it, which to me is like defining John Lester moment. Yeah. I mean, like he was kind of like the face of, yeah, I'll say it. He was the face of the symbolic change. Like I always said this, that. All those things that you just mentioned, properly and correctly, like is trauma for Cubs fans. Every bit of it, like getting getting close and then something horrible happening. And I think that even in 2016, there was always that feeling from Cubs fans, like an angsty feeling, like okay, when is something bad going to happen to this team? When when is this historic start? going to collapse and everything is going to go going to go under and we're going to be talking about another infamous cub season but there was always this collective figurative thing from john lester and chris bryant and all those guys 
on that team, Anthony Rizzo, that they were kind of saying that, like, like the, the figurative hug to Cubs fans saying, look, guys, we know you've been hurt in the past. That ain't us. That's not our thing. This is for real. We got winners on this team. So you could put away, again, saying this to Cubs fans, put away that loser mentality. And that's what it was. Like, we, we put nice words like lovable behind it. But it was a loser's mentality that Cubs fans had and that players had had. And we made it into this cute little thing. And John Lester was one of the faces of distinguishing or extinguishing that and just stomping that out forever. And it still lasts into today. So well said. Lovable losers. No, 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 no. They were chokers. They yeah. there and there. Everybody's like, well, the curse, the curse. It wasn't the curse. There was just a lot of pressure on a team that never won. It, 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 that pressure was real, at least in my mind it was. Like, well, yeah. also, you got to look at it. you got to say, you know, because we use, yeah, right, curse. We use the word curse instead of saying what it was. The Cubs were a poorly run organization for years in management, upper management, GMs, owners, managers, everything, minor league system. It was a poorly run organization. When Theo Epstein got here, he was like, what the hell is some of this stuff going on in this organization in terms of like everything from facilities to scouting to, you know, all of that backup that an organization needs. They weren't cursed. They were poorly run. So that takes me to another great point. Marco, you're just teeing it up here. He, the, the organization turns. You go out, you're Tom Ricketts, you get rid of Jim Hendry, you look around, who's the best guy? It's Theo Epstein, let's hire him, he comes, phenomenal. Best thing that ever happened to the franchise, I don't think it's close. And then Lester sees it and he signs on. Now, Theo's leaving a year early for the record, and John Lester has passed his prime and who knows what's left but he's asking the Cubs to stay for one more year, and the Cubs are saying no on a nothing deal to the Nationals. And so I'm wondering, trying to be rational about this on some level, but it almost feels like the window of, like, you had this great organization that was doing everything right, and now you've lost Theo, you go Schwarber, and who knows when KB and the rest of them are going to go. And I know that Jed's still there and all that type of stuff, but it almost feels like it's like a bookend. Lester was here in the good years, and now he just left, and now now we're kind of left wondering, like, who, who's running the organization right now, and do you want to win? And, I mean, how much angst do you think Cubs fans should have that, like, you know what, that was the window, and now we're going back to sort of the old Cubs that made terrible decisions, and you never knew when you were going to have a fluke year of being good, and that's all you could ever count on. Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on this. I think, first of all, you know, we used the word symbolic to describe what John Lester meant in 2015 and how that changed the face and the look physically, you know, emotionally, literally, figuratively. In every way, shape, or form, John Lester was the symbol of that, or one of the huge symbols of it. I also thought that the, the Cubs not bringing John Lester back on what would have been, the Cubs could have afforded $4 million. This had nothing to do with the, with the Cubs being cheap. The Cubs made a decision that they were moving on from John Lester. That, you know, that not that he couldn't help this pitching staff, but that, I think that's symbolic too, that this, this organization is moving on from that Cubs era, the 2015, 16, 17, on and on and on. 
that that that's it. That they moved on. I mean, I mean, and you could say that Kyle Schwarber was part of that. You Darvish was part of that. I'll say this now: what what I what I don't like that's going on is there, there's one thing that was left in the press conference that Jed Hoyer had that that really didn't sit well with me, and that's this little part, this running theme of. Yeah, hey, we can compete in the division. You know, I mean, look at the division. I mean, who, you know, there's really no team that, you know, is going to run away with it. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about if if you're making these colossal changes. And they are big because Philip Irvin is not a good replacement for Kyle Schwarber. Um, You know, Zach Davies is not a proper replacement for you, Darvish. So you're taking a step back, but let's not talk, let's not talk about, you're competing for a division right now if you're not going to bring back a winner like John Lester and then the other guys I mentioned as well. So while I don't have a problem, I honestly don't. Like I'm okay with 37-year-old John Lester moving on because he hasn't been that effective. He's losing velocity. He's not the John Lester that we all knew. So he's not a guy that you're going to win because of anymore. But tell us what's up. Tell us you know, that it's a rebuild. I think Cubs fans can, can take it. They can understand it. They have a higher need for winning right now. I understand that. But with a pitching staff that has Kyle Hendricks as excellent, and then the rest, Zach Davies, Alec Mills, and that's it. That's it. Uh, you're telling me Alzali is, is going to be a starter um, 200 innings this year? Braylon Marquez, please. So, yeah, I mean, just I, I just like to know. I, I like a little bit more transparency and then I would be totally cool with it. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Look, hey, Tom, Tom, I, I know that whatever, you bought up all of Wrigleyville. Nobody predicted there would be a pandemic. Maybe there's some financial, significant financial issues that our guy Cappy's been reporting about and Gordon and whoever else at this point. But look in the Cubs' mirror and see why they didn't win forever and and and. Just go into like say 1990 on. It was never you. It was always trying to piece it together for the hopes that they would have a, a good season and, and win the division and take your chances. They never had the courage to actually fully tear it down. So if you're going to do this, if you're up against yourself financially right now and you've got all sorts of problems that you whatever, then actually in my mind, then just go all the way. And I think. I asked Jed that question on in the press conference, maybe, whatever, just, you know, about going for the full teardown. He's like, yeah, well, we're not going to run the same playbook again. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, I kind of hear that. And then, but why not? That playbook works. It's a pretty good playbook. You go to the bottom, you draft well, you sign good free agents, you get as many assets as you can, and you build it back up. Like, to me, at this point, just go all the way. You know, trying to piece together a, a Zach Davies – 84 win team that that wins the central and loses in the first round and has no chance like that's so boring and terrible and and not a good plan at all yeah and you know based on some of the the guys you know the, the pitching staff the starting staff that we that you and i are going through <laughs> maybe they kind of are doing that and they're just not saying it because and and this is just me playing the other side of i like of this i like it yep yeah yeah just the other side when they when they did this the first time, back in I guess what was it twenty thirteen was that the OFC's first full season, and they, they just did it and it, it took some selling to Cubs fans and there and even in the media there were a lot of people in the media who pushed back like hey man this is Chicago this is the Cubs 
you know, you you know, you can't lose a hundred games and just expect people to keep going out to Wrigley Field. And it did get bad. I mean, it did get to a point where attendance was down. And I remember there being, you know, people making jokes on StubHub, literally two dollar tickets for Cubs games when they were that bad. Like they're, they're, the Cubs, Wrigley Field, as much as we all like to say that that Wrigley Field is going to fill up no matter what, it, they they were losing attendance. They really were. I don't know if. Tom Ricketts and Cubs fans would be able to stomach that again um, because there's a certain energy involved in it. And I think once people were on board with it, it was fun because it was like, everybody's following these prospects. Oh, who is this Chris Bryant? We've been hearing about boy, this guy hits like 90 home runs in the minors. And um, you know, Kyle Schwarber, he's the next Babe Ruth and Addison Russell. Oh yeah. Javier buy all these guys that were coming up and there was this March to the majors and we all learned about it. I don't know, Marco, you tell me, would Cub fans have the same energy then and to be after, you know, in relative terms, finally being entitled to being a winning organization, one that competes for World Series, to then all of a sudden, this isn't that long ago, this is five years later, right, to go back to being a 100-loss team. I don't know if you could convince the fan base that. I don't know if you could convince Tom Ricketts to go all in on that. So the the Tom Ricketts part is the key here because I I listen, the fan base, yeah, they're gonna they're not there's gonna be pushback, no question. They're gonna they're gonna hate it, but you can't worry about that. Like our guy, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Ed Obradovich, love you. <laughs> Tear it down. <laughs> he's a huge fan of the DeWindy City podcast. By the way, I talked to OB yesterday. He's just he's go to the call. <laughs> he, he, you know, the last show that we did this year uh, uh, on on GN, and uh, he's getting agitated. He's and he's saying a lot of OB things that he knows in his heart is the, they're firing Nagy. I'm telling you, I'm like, I know you think they should, OB, but they're trust me, they're they're not going to do. It. Yes, they are. There's no chance that they keep that idiot. Mark. Mark, Mark, Mark. <laughs> so, so he's really annoyed with me because I pushed back on a couple points, and then he just he like he couldn't quite hear it, but he's and he doesn't wear headphones, so he can't hear the microphone. So he's like, "Will you go to the fucking calls?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Carlos trying to make his point. Go to the calls. I'm like, I'm like, Ob, you can't whisper that because it the microphone is very sensitive. It picks up literally, literally everything. It picks up everything. <laughs> Will you go to the fucking calls? Hey, he says, settle down, settle down. I'm gonna have to, dump, I'm gonna have to dump that at Obradovich. Uh, God, I love him. So, but my point is this: like, he's worried always that they're you're gonna lose the Bear fans, and I'm like, the Bears fans, you're not ever losing them. We've sat through five decades of, or call it three and a half decades. We want to be kind of just disaster minus a couple of years with Lovey and the Super Bowl and whatever. No one like yeah okay there'll there'll be less interest and sure maybe the upper deck will be half filled but you can't they're there's they're always coming back man like although I do think Marco let me see let me let me get your th- thought on this let's look let's look twenty five years out the Cubs are on marquee now you know you're not growing up with WGN the White Sox I'm wondering if you think like if they're like a cooler hipper more fan friendly White Sox than the Cubs are that the Cubs are presenting right now. Like, maybe they could actually really make a dent and be a team that, you know, is not 
a second-class citizen. What you know? The, let's say they have a run here where they win a couple of World Series. So kids are growing up, and the White Sox are good, and the Cubs suck. Like that's kind of possible. I feel like that we actually could have a a move more to the middle. Like you've got a lot of Sox fans, you got a lot of Cub fans in thirty years. Yeah, you know, it's like they've got as good of a chance right now as they ever have. I will say this: that I thought that that was going to happen back in 2006, the year after the White Sox won the World Series, and I think their attendance was still good, but they had every opportunity in the world to, because I didn't even know what the hell the Cubs were doing back then. It's true. I mean, it was that, that actually, actually, I do know what they were doing. They, they were crumbling because that was they were still feeling the effects of, of 03 and then that horrible 04 unlikable Cubs team, and then, you know, what, whatever. That was such a weird middling era of Cubs baseball from like 05 until – well, 2015, quite frankly, but but anyway, um, I think that this is a uh, a time when I mean I thought that after winning the World Series, you you thought that they would have made a dent. The, the difference now is is that similar to the Cubs, they they have the White Sox have built their team from within. There is a different type of ownership that teams have with players when they are drafted players. That they are guys that you could kind of that, that, that you're, they're your own, and that's what the White Sox have right now. So um, I think it's possible, but if I had to give you an answer on that, I would say probably not. It's just the Cubs are the Cubs, and their fan base is so big. Because part of the, the way that the Sox would take over in this town for the Cubs or even catch up with the Cubs is if they could steal fans that are of the Cubs. And I just don't see that happening in mass. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and which is, and I agree at the end of the day. And that's why like, Hey, don't worry about attendance. Don't worry about Just, just worry about doing what's right. They're going to hang around. And if you want to do something for the fans, you could lower the damn ticket prices, which are just absolutely positively insane, uh, which is a problem. You know, if you, if you're going to price yourself out of, People going to baseball games, at least, and 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 yes, you could sit in the upper deck, and it's and it's and it's you know affordable, but to have a good seat at a Cub game nowadays is a, is just a lot of dough. So I and I don't, well, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's interesting to think about, especially once they do allow fans back in the stands after the pandemic, which I'm hearing uh, could be August is is a date, and that is certainly subject to change and who knows maybe there aren't fans at all this year but maybe when they do allow the fans back there should be some like nice welcoming back for the rest of the season or big chunks of the season the problem is is that if the cubs have lost as much money as they are saying biblical losses the the quote that tom ricketts will never live down then i don't i literally don't know if they could afford to discount tickets or cut i mean they damn well better not raise them again um, because that would just be a slap in the face to Cubs fans at this point. Yeah. All right, Marco. I th- I think basically what we've done here is uh, talk about George Offman, com- say that the Cubs are not completely done because they let John Lester go, but also acknowledging that there is a, it's a very interesting time over there right now. It really is. We're Jed, do you know what you're doing? I think you do, but maybe you don't. And Tom, what's the real story here with A, what's going on with the the finances of the club and and B with the somewhat kind of murky transparency that's happening 
And really, what's next? I mean, you got Wilson Contreras, you know, talking out on Twitter, gamer, gamer, gamer on John Lester. I mean, maybe he's just giving love to John Lester, but I think there's a little bit of backlash coming at the organization. The the, the juju, the the love of of the Cub right now, and 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 the appreciation for everything that the you know the way the organization is run. It it just you don't really feel it right now. Carm, it's jarring, is what it is, because I think. I think that I, I was able to actually relate with Theo Epstein because Theo Epstein, the mistake he made, and he admitted that he kind of fell in love with his players and he waited too long to make any discernible change or to break it down or to make that big trade, which he always threatened to do but never did, and that was a product of falling in love with the players. I think we all fell in love with these Cubs players because of well, like every every player had his own like superhero story. Chris Bryan and Javier Baez and now we talked about the the Paul Bunyan, uh, Babe Ruth, Kyle Schwarber. Like these guys were all like folk heroes. Anthony Rizzo still standing. Even Wilson Contreras, and um, you know before that Miguel Montero and Jason Hayward even playing a role. Like these guys, like you thought it, it was supposed to be the Atlanta Braves, not the Philadelphia Phillies. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't supposed to be a five-year winning window. It was supposed right. to be a ten to fifteen-year window. And, and I get that that's probably like. The, the Braves are more of an outlier and so are the Yankees, but that was, that was more of the goal. So I just think it's, it's really, when you take a deep breath and look at it um, in the pantheon of just our Cubs bubble, it's jarring and crazy that we're talking about the breaking up of this Cubs thing that again was five years ago, basically when all this like rose to the top and it was, and it was the new Cubs. And now you, you said it right, Mark. Now we just, we don't know. Like, I think Jed Hoyer is probably going to be a good GM just based on the fact that he worked for one of the best. And, you know, I think that he had a say in a lot of the moves that the Cubs did make. So he's got a pretty good idea of how to build a team, but he's got to find that next, um, you know, market change to rebuild this team. And that's what they're starting to do. And it feels painful right now. I meant to ask you this. And so this is out of place in the podcast, but I got to ask you before you go. Because you got to be on the plane with these guys, Marco. Whenever I saw Lester, he was the most professional. Like, you wear his cowboy hat and everything. His locker was meticulously put together. And he he, he would roll his, his suitcase like, like, like he was a like an accountant or a type-level lawyer who was playing baseball. But he also would have his, like, Miller Lite and, you know, he's John Lester. Like, did, was there any Lester moments on the plane or, or just traveling or being around him, period, that stood out? Yeah, no, it's funny. The the fact that he would dress up like the old school suit for all road trips, that definitely set him apart because remember Joe Madden came in and he was like Joe Madden's like, Hey man, if it if it feels sexy, rock it. So he didn't like Madden didn't want a bunch of guys wearing suits. Like, he didn't care. Like whatever you whatever you want to wear was cool. Lester was the only guy that was like, because, you know, it makes sense because Lester's like cowboy old school and all that kind of stuff. So he'd roll onto the airplanes you know, decked out. He always smelled like a million bucks too. So he had the whole, he had a nice, nice bag. Um, not, he never really acted out on the planes or anything like that. Like he was usually a pretty subdued. He would have a couple of cocktails just like everybody else on that plane. He oftentimes actually would, would have his family with him, uh, his, his wife and little kids. So you get to see him fathering on those road trips quite a bit, but yeah, that definitely set him apart, man. Rocking the suits. It, it, you just named another key part of Lester. Like he had like the Louis Vuitton bag. Jason Hayward would do the same thing too. It's like, you guys don't know what to do with your money, so let's just buy the sweetest luggage I can buy. <laughs> right, right. It's like, right. It's like once you buy like the car and the house, 
then you're like, then you're on like, oh, you know what? I still got money left for accessories. <laughs> I might go buy like a crocodile bag for five hundred dollars. And you know what? Maybe I'll get a bracelet and a chain. Like you get to accessorize and do fun. That's when the fun stuff with your maybe like a cool hat, something like that, leather jacket. You get to do fun stuff with your money, and uh, yeah, Lester did some of that. See, like most of us are out here trying to survive and, you know, have enough money in the bank that we can feel comfortable going out to dinner. And these guys will say things like, yeah, no, I just got to make sure that my family said, your family said you made just $25 million last year. Like, how much dough? Like, I I don't, I just don't get how they live. I want to, I want to be them. I'm very jealous. Yeah. Wait, one more thing, too. Like, on those plane rides, one of the most amazing, mesmerizing parts of every single road trip for me, and it also created a little bit of angst in my soul, was the envelope passing out. The traveling secretary would go down the aisles with his little clipboard and literally hand out envelopes of cash to every single player and Cubs team employee for their spending money. You know, whatever it was, you know, two, three hundred bucks of here's cash for you to, to spend on this road trip. Like, I was like, that's all I want. I don't need the $10 million a year. I want an envelope with my name on it, with cash in it, every day of my life, and I'll be really happy. You didn't get the envelope? They got to give you the envelope. should have been a grody Dude, envelope. I wasn't a Cubs employee, man. Like, I never got the envelope. Like, like Len Casper and Jim Deshays, I think in the last couple of years, they, they became Cubs employees. They'd get the envelope. But me, Pat, and Ron would just sit there like, uh, and it's, I bet I bet that sucked for Coomer because he was so used to as a player getting the envelope, and all of a sudden they're passing him by. He's like, "Sorry, I don't have you on my list here." So Coom Dog and Pat, no envelope for you guys, and certainly, certainly no envelope for Old Mark Rody. But you did get to sit next to Pat, right? And he would share popcorn with you. Oh yeah, yeah. Pat would. I would sit next to Pat. Pat and I would get cheese and crackers um, on the like. It was such a Pat Hughes thing. Whole wheat crackers, no less. A little bit of yeah. Sometimes popcorn and Pat Hughes. Always, always, always. No matter what they said was on the menu, he would then say, "Do you have any salmon?" Uh, sorry, Pat. Or do you have any asparagus? Well, yes, we do, Pat. So he was big into the. The asparagus was the big thing. Like he like if there was asparagus, like keep it coming. Keep it coming. Like plates of asparagus being passed down the aisle for Pat Hughes. And and those airline attendants, they knew. When they saw Pat, there better be asparagus. Oh, that's so good. Asparagus, salmon, mark. Didn't and he bought you didn't he buy you lunch on Sundays or something? Oh yeah. The greatest cute that was cute. Uh, to use one of your words, Carmen. It was cute. He would um, Pat on Sundays would give me and Ron Coomer and Dave Miska, our engineer at the time, he would uh, out of his, he'd get in his, dig into his wallet and go, Mark, here's a $10 bill. Um, I you know, want to pay for lunch today and just for all the good work you do. I'd be like, Pat, don't worry. No, 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 no. I, I insist. I'd want, here's, here's $10. I went to the bank today and got cash for you and for, for Ronnie and for, for Dave Miska. And mind you, mind you, Coomer is a millionaire. So, <laughs> so he'd, get, he'd get his cash. And, uh, and you know, and it turned out to be something, while it was totally unnecessary and adorable that he would do it, like, I don't know about you, Carm, but I'm not a, I don't carry much cash. And there's always times when, ah, yeah, I could probably use a cash for a tip or something stupid. And like, because of Pat, I always had a few dollars of cash in my wallet because he would hand out $10 on Sunday so we could get lunch. 
what a peach of a human being. I went to the bank. Oh. <laughs> I went to the yeah. bank. That's yeah, amazing. I, I, I stopped by the bank. I went through the drive through I, I got the little cup, and I sent it through, and I said, uh, give me $10 bills for Ronnie and David and Mark and you know, and uh, everyone would be happy. So it was, it was really a fantastically nice gesture by Pat and hilarious at the same time. Marco, speaking of a peach of a human being, I called you on the flyer and you gave me 30 minutes, 30 plus here. So I appreciate you, brother. Can't wait for 445 tomorrow. Love you, Carmo. Love George Hoffman. Love Ed Bradovich. Have a great night, my man. 445 a.m. Grody Grobber, be there into into a five o'clock Mully and Haw pregame show with Marco, and then an update. You're a hardworking man, Marco. Marco, thanks. You got it, buddy. I love our young guys. Our guys are so cocky that they don't give a. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. Apologize. It's always going to be, you know, peaches and roses or however the saying goes. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. What makes this winning clubhouse a special one? Winning. How about this? Sorry, kids. Relishing the the chance at winning a World Series for a franchise that never has just adds that that little extra for me. John, you were just staring at your cap that says World Series Champions. This is why you signed here. What's the feeling now that you've accomplished it? How about that? I mean, I, I don't even know. You know, I, I see the guys that, the coaches and the and the players that have been through, they've been through it all. You know, the fans. I mean, look at this place. I mean, you think we're we're at Wrigley. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.